This is episode 229, Breaking the Cycle of Numbing with Charmaine. Welcome to Over It and On With It. I'm your host, Christine Hassler, and for over a decade, I've been a life coach, speaker, and author. Each week, you'll hear me work directly with a caller as I coach them through a goal they want to accomplish or an obstacle they may be facing. I'll provide a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your own life. Now, let's get on with the episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. Thank you so, so much for joining me. As a reminder, it means a lot when you leave a rating or a review about the show. Leaving a review really, really helps. Rating is easy. It takes, you know, a couple seconds to write a review. It can be short, but it really helps the show grow and it means a lot to me. So thank you to those of you who've been taking the time to do that. I read everyone and I love interacting with you. And when you write a review, it's, I feel like we're interacting with each other. I get to hear from you. It also means a lot when you share episodes on social media, be sure to tag me so I can thank you as well. I have a beautiful episode for you today with Charmaine, and she calls in asking how she can stop smoking pot. But this really isn't a coaching call about how to stop smoking marijuana. It really is about what is causing you to not be able to stop smoking marijuana. Any type of addiction or numbing device, treating the addiction or distraction or however you're numbing yourself isn't always a solution. You have to go to the deeper issue. And that's what we talk about in this call today. And just a heads up here, I get a little mama bearish during this call when Charmaine talks about how a therapist just told her to go to a certain type of therapy. And I'm going to explain this more in the wrap up after the show, but the type of therapy that she was referred to is a wonderful form of therapy, which like I said, I'll share more about in the closing, but I felt for Charmaine, she really needed a less goal-orientated approach. Bottom line, there's not one style of therapy or coaching that's better than others. It's truly about what feels right to you. When it comes to working with any therapist or a coach, it's either a hell yes or a hell no. Now your mind might come in, especially around money and the investment and those types of things, but your body, your emotions, your intuition knows. Like, I feel safe with this person. I also feel like this person's gonna call me forward. I feel like this person has the tools, has walked the road, like has the groundedness and the guidance and the love and the compassion to take me where I need to go and to also take me places that I didn't even know I needed to go. So it's gotta feel like that hell yes or hell no. And if you need a refresher on that, definitely go back and listen to my coach's corner this last weekend with my good friend, Kate Reardon, because she talks a lot about how to feel if something is a hell yes or a hell no in a bo- your body. So if you need a brush up on that, go back and listen. So as you are listening to my coaching call with Charmaine, consider when it comes to feeling your pain, do you actually feel it or do you numb or distract yourself? Did you have parents who were super present and attentive as a child? Have you done things that you're ashamed of? Are you addicted to some kind of substance or numbing technique like pot, alcohol, TV, overworking, caretaking food, etc.? And last little announcement here, my spring retreat for women is filling up. It's probably the last year I'm doing it in the way that I'm doing it this year. So if you felt for a while that you want to come and learn with me and go through this incredible transformational process that is the work that truly has saved my life, then you're going to want to get your ticket. It's March 6th through 8th. Go to christinehassler.com slash spring dash retreat. And I can't wait to see you there and give you a big hug in San Diego. 
All right, and now on to my coaching call with Charmaine. Charmaine, welcome to the show. How can I help? Thank you so much, Christine. So I'm having a really hard time not using marijuana anymore. I started using it as a crutch when I was really going through some major life changes and it just kind of felt like the world was crumbling down and it really helped me. It served me then, but it's no longer serving me now. And I'm just having a really hard time stopping. I tried for like five days. <laughs> um, and then I got super emotional one day and like threw in the towel. I really want to stop. I'm not physically addicted, but I feel like I really am mentally and emotionally. And I'm just kind of looking for some steps to take. Yeah. Well, mental and emotional addictions create physical addictions. So first, I just want to just acknowledge your honesty and your willingness to move through this. So usually something like that, it it does serve us and marijuana can be absolutely medicinal, but it can also be numbing. And I'm curious, if you don't mind sharing, if you could go back and tell me about what happened when you started using it. Yeah. So it was basically, I had about a year that everything in your life that can change did. I was separated from the military. Well, actually, honestly, I was, I was kicked out of the military after 13 years, which I wasn't expecting Why? because I was in a really bad marriage and in a really dark place. And I started using pills. My husband was prescribed like tons and tons of pain pills and I started using them as kind of a numbing a crutch and I got caught on a random drug test and I actually have never told a stranger that. So <laughs> mm, proud of you. Proud of you. <laughs> mm. How yeah, does it feel it to really, actually speak it was that? Really hard it's, it's a little, I don't know, I hold a lot of shame with that. So I guess I'm a little embarrassed. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess that's how I feel. I feel a lot of shame around it. It's something that I've I've tried to work on, but I just can't I can't seem to deal with it or know the proper way to deal with it. It just it constantly pops up. I feel like it never goes away. The shame? The shame and you know, the things that I did, the decisions that I made and stuff, I feel like they constantly haunt me. Yeah. 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 Shame does have that effect on us. So, so just to, to give me kind of a perspective here, you were in the military, you were in a really unhealthy marriage. You started using pot to kind of deal with that. You got caught um, on a random drug test. You got kicked out of the military after 13 years. Did you like being in the military? And also what was going on in your marriage? So I actually got kicked out for pills, not pot. Oh, sorry, sorry. Um, yeah, no, that's okay. I guess it doesn't really matter. But what were the pills? They were um, they were oxycodone. And what triggered you in going to that? Like, how did you get to the point where you decided to take your husband's oxytocin or oxycotton? Sorry. Really un- yeah, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really. We were just. I realized I married a person that didn't line up with 
my morals and my values. I say that as coming from someone that was taking pills, but, you know, just didn't have, didn't treat people well and stuff. And so we were just very miserable, very unhappy. And the more his health declined and the more pills he got, like the worse things got between us and the more I reached for them. Okay. Cause it was like the only, it was the only relief I got from the misery I, I felt like I was in. Okay. And what about the military? What was that like for you? The military, I planned on doing 20 years. Um, I enjoyed the lifestyle of being in. Um, I liked my job. I was in a good office. I had no intentions of leaving. So being forced to separate was was really devastating for me. Okay. There's a lot here and there's a lot coming in for you. So as I feel into you, Charmaine, my whole body starts to shake. Yeah. And that to me is an usually an indication of trauma that happened, you know, usually in our formative years, but it, it doesn't really matter. It could happen when you were in the military. It could be with your marriage, but there's a part of you that just does not feel safe at all. And that's why it's so hard. That's why you reach for the pain pills. That's why it's so hard to get off the pot is because you don't want to feel. It's too much. I mean, you were taking painkillers. Yeah. And it wasn't, you weren't after the physical pain, but you were after the wanting to kill the emotional pain, which is why so many people get addicted to those is because it does kill off the emotional pain because it just numbs us. So the problem is it's numbing the good emotions too. Yeah. There's a lot of problems with it, but in order to feel the quote unquote good emotion, we have to be willing to feel the bad. And Mm -hmm. I think what is happening is you're spending a lot of time repressing the bad, like keeping them at bay. You feel them a little bit. It creates so much anxiety. You're like, no, 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 no. I don't want to feel like this. So you reach for something that will numb it a bit because it just feels too overwhelming. Does that make sense? That's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So in a way, the pot is a bit therapeutic because it's sort of preventing you from kind of going into a full-on... What you fear is a full-on emotional breakdown. So... Let me ask you, again, if you're willing to share, what trauma have you endured in your life? I'm not really sure. Um, My parents got divorced when I was young. I would say probably some of my earliest memories are of my mom, you know, crying over the stove because she was going back to a um, mental hospital. My dad was sending her. I don't remember a lot, but I know I've been told that my mom had trouble getting out of bed and me and my sister, we would be running around the neighborhood, you know, half dressed, dirty, you know, the typical kind of thing. Um, Neglect. Yeah. 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 And so maybe that's it. I don't, I haven't really thought about that a whole lot. And then I was also sexually molested when I was 11. Yeah. Okay. Well, all of that is plenty. That's definitely enough to feel what you're feeling. 
So with mom, because of her own pain, emotionally abandoning you and neglecting you in some ways, and then also being molested, you, no wonder you don't feel safe. Yeah. And what did you do in the military? And why did you want to go into the military? So I, I joined the military right after September 11th. I just, I wanted to have a, a role and I wanted to help. And I felt like that was the best way to do it. And then I've held, I held a few different jobs in the military, but my, my latest one was a manpower analyst, which was a really good, good career. It was very analytical, which I, I'm a very analytical person. So you were never really enjoyed were you ever in combat? Were you ever in any of that? I did. I did deploy. I did deploy to Iraq in 2007. We definitely, I never left the base. We definitely got attacked, but I didn't see anything and no one really got hurt while I was there. Okay. Thank God. So I was very lucky. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so this is a bigger conversation than how do you stop smoking or however you're taking the marijuana. This is a much bigger conversation about how you start to deal with some of the trauma that you experienced. This is a situation that requires more than just a call into a podcast. This is one where you really need a therapist regularly to help you work through some of these things. Because when we are numbing something so big, we have to go slowly. And it would be a disservice to you if I took you into some of those feelings when I only have about 20 minutes with you. And with something like this, Charmaine, I just want to remind you to go slow and to be gentle and to not feel like, because if you just stopped cold turkey smoking pot right now, I'm concerned about what would happen. Now, that said, I don't, I don't think continuing to smoke is a good idea. What I would recommend is you find somebody to work with. Have you ever worked with a therapist before? I actually was working with a therapist with the VA and everything started sort of started coming back to the pot issue. And so she recommended that I go to cognitive behavioral therapy to deal with the addiction. And I've just been, we've been playing phone tag trying to make the appointment. Okay. Did the therapist talk about the things with your mother and the abuse with you? To be quite honest with the VA, I get all students. So it's kind of, they, they just let me go in and talk about whatever. So usually I bring in whatever I'm dealing with that moment. And we haven't, every time there's something new and that we don't get to dig into okay. the, real, the real meat. Okay. And is it the same therapist every time or different people? Or for like three, three months, four months, and then it's somebody different. Oh boy. I forgive myself for judging yeah. the system right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So can you see a therapist outside of the VA? I think so. Yes. Okay. I mean, financially, can you get that together? I think I can get it through insurance. I'm just okay. not hundred percent sure, okay. but... But so, yeah. So it's it's really important that you find a good therapist. And if someone doesn't start connecting some of the dots for you in like the first session, like asking you because 
just telling you you need to go to a cognitive behavioral therapist to get off pot without dealing with the core issues of what you're trying to numb. To me, I mean, how does that feel to you? Did that feel right to you when they suggested that? Well, the only reason why it did is Mm -hmm. because if I continue numbing, like I feel like I'm not going to be able to work through the feeling. Yes, my love. But if you stop numbing without the tools and support to deal with what is coming up, that's my concern. I do think cognitive behavioral therapy down the road when you have some tools to deal with what's going to come up when you stop numbing is important. But just think about it right now. If you stop pot today and by you know two days from now, all past memories, all kinds of sadness, all kinds of anxiety, all kinds of fear is coming up. What tools do you have to deal with that? Yeah, good point. So yes, stopping an addiction, cognitive behavioral therapy can be important, but you need, you need some tools. And the other thing is you were left on your own. Probably the molestation happened because of you weren't, not enough attention was being paid to you. And that happened. Somebody wasn't keeping a close eye on you. And you need, (laughs) and I'm using the word need not in the sense that something's wrong with you or that you're incapable in any way. You missed out on a basic need as a child. You missed out on really someone taking care of you. And now you've got these big emotions coming up and you have no idea how to parent yourself through them, which makes a ton of sense. So just like if you had, you know, a foot problem, I'd send you to a podiatrist. This is an issue where you need someone to kind of take you through and help you feel the feelings. Because the thing when in a good therapy session is that you're given a safe space to feel feelings. Can you even feel like you're, you're feeling some feelings now when we're talking? Yeah, I do feel some. Yeah. Yeah. And is that... Do you think that may be because you're with someone that can hear you, that you feel safe with, and that you trust can handle whatever comes up? Yes. Yeah. So that's the beauty of, of therapy and really working with a good therapist that can hold that space is that you get to start feeling these feelings and you're not alone. And someone starts to teach you how to deal with them so that when they come up when you're alone, you know what to do. I mean, that was a massive piece for me in coming off antidepressants is my coach Mona really, I mean, it took me years to get off of them. And I'm not saying it's going to take you years, but it took me a long time because I had to learn. I, didn't, I had to learn how to process my emotions in a healthy way on my own, but I needed someone to teach me. And I needed someone to hold that space and and model it for me, to show me how I could get anger out and to be in the room when I was getting anger out and to coach me on that, to cry my tears and not just little tears, but ugly sob and have someone there to talk about the things that have happened and, and to bring the fear up and to just be held in a safe space. It's incredibly healing. So I think the intention right now is not so much, how do I get off pot? But how do I create an environment for myself where it's safe for me to feel? And this isn't something, my love, I think you can do on your own. 
and I'm not underestimating you. And it's not that I don't think you're powerful, but if we were supposed to do a lot of these big things on our own, we'd be the only human in the universe. (laughs) So how is all this landing with you? It's really resonating with me. I feel like you're you're spot on with what you're saying and um, it makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When you were growing up, like with mom not being around and with the molestation, how did you deal with your big feelings then? I think I was really into like cheerleading and dance and stuff. So I think I just kind of kept myself busy Mm -hmm. all the time. And I was really big like on sweets too. So emotional eating mm-hmm. was something that I did a lot as well. Okay. Okay. So your whole life, you've kind of had these numbing mechanisms. <laughs> yeah. Numbing devices. Yeah. 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 Really all that's going on is there's some big feelings and there's a part of you that's terrified to feel them. So you keep finding devices that, that help you not feel. And I'm glad we're talking now because who knows what would be after pot. And I'm really, are you still on the pain pills? Oh gosh, no, I I haven't done, not in years. Okay, good, good, good. That's actually just a really good thing (laughs) that right now it's marijuana, which, you know, we don't want to be numbing. However, out of all the, the vices that you could pick, this one isn't the most devastating. Um, right. But it is something that, like you said, you want to bring awareness to. And you'll start to see that when you have the tools for dealing with some of the stuff that you're avoiding, you'll need the numbing devices less and less and less. And I found that with, with depression and getting off antidepressants. You know, the first couple of years, there were times when I would hit a rut and I'd be like, oh God, do I need to go back on drugs again? But I would use my tools, I would feel my feelings and I would move through. And, and today, you know, I, I never think about going back on them. But they were a crutch. And a so badly. Um, you'll get there. I hear that. I hear your intention. And just look at how far you've come. You were honest with me about the marijuana. You were honest with me about why you got kicked out of the military. That's huge, huge progress and just shows the depth of your intention. And so I want you to be really proud of yourself. Thank you. Really proud of yourself. So take a deep breath. Put one hand on your heart and say out loud, I am loved. I am loved. And put the other hand on your belly and say, I am safe. I am safe. Take another nice deep breath. So that anchor right there, one hand on your heart, one hand on your belly, that's a tool I can give you right now. So when you feel a lot of like that, that nervousness that I was, that shakiness I was tuning into earlier in the call because I was feeling like, all of your (laughs) big feelings coming in. And it's a lot. I can see why you need some marijuana. (laughs) There's a lot there. Yeah. There's a lot there. So 
Use that as an anchor. I am love and I am safe when you start to feel that. And this is where you've got to be a really big advocate to yourself in terms of finding a therapist you resonate with. You may, it's kind of like dating. You may have to see a few until you find the one that you're like, oh, you you want it to feel kind of like it's feeling with me now. You want it to feel like it's resonating and that dots are connecting and that you feel safe and emotions coming up, right? You, can you see how when you went, and this is nothing against the, the VA therapists. I know everybody's doing the best they could, but can you see how when you went there, you didn't necessarily feel that way? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So you may have to see a few just to find the right one. So be patient with yourself and, and it, it's worth seeing a couple or, you know, two to four until you really get the right one and, and do your research and ask around. Don't just like go to the first one the insurance company gives you. And there may be a therapist that you really like that maybe isn't covered by insurance, but maybe you can submit part of it and then it can be covered. You may need to get creative here, but I just really, really encourage you to be an advocate here and get what you need, get the support you need. Okay. Does this help? It does a lot. Thank you. Yeah. And are you out of the marriage now? Oh, yes. I'm actually married to someone else now. I'm an amazing person. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. So maybe even talk to your husband and say, hey, listen, we may have to pay out of pocket for some of this, but this is worth it. Because honestly, sometimes it's worth it just to go to the best (laughs) versus thinking you're saving. You know, I think of that with services I've gotten, be it copywriting or bookkeeping or whatever. And I've gone to like, cheaper option, but then it's end up costing me more money versus just going to somebody really good and moving through it quickly. Okay. Okay. You're worth it. All right. And you will get to the other side of this. All right. Okay. All right. How do you feel? Thank you very much. That's okay. I I feel, I, I feel better just because I feel like I have a direction. Yeah. Yeah. And keep doing the I am loved and I am safe, creating that sense of safety inside of you that will really, really help unconsciously tell that part of you that's scared to feel the feelings. It'll start to make it a safer space for those things to come up. So practice that multiple times a day. Okay. Okay. Sending you a lot of love. Thank you. Once again, I acknowledge and thank Charmaine for her honesty and courage. That tells me she is so ready to step into the next level of her own healing. Let's talk about addiction for a moment. From my point of view, we can't treat addiction effectively unless we deal with the core issue that's creating the addiction or better said, coping strategy, because most addictions are actually coping strategies when we didn't have tools to deal with the drama and trauma that's happened in our life. Addiction to anything is really a symptom of a deeper issue. When we speak of addiction, we often just think of drugs and alcohol, but there are so many other things we can use as coping and numbing strategies that become addiction. Sex, gaming, gambling, food, and even things like work, falling in love, and caretaking. Basically, anything we use to get us out of feeling our pain and feeling our big feelings is a coping strategy that can turn into an addiction. Because the way these coping strategies work is you have to keep upping the ante. 
the feelings get bigger and bigger and bigger. It takes more energy to suppress them. So if it took only working 10 hours a day to suppress your feelings, you do that for a year, then you've got to up it to 12 hours a day and so on and so forth. And in Charmaine's case, she's addicted to marijuana and her words just mentally and emotionally, not physically. But to me, there's not much of a massive difference between emotional, mental, and physical addiction because mental and emotional pain most likely creates the physical addiction. What I felt from Charmaine, both intuitively and based on what she shared with me, is that the pot was the tool she's currently using to repress and manage all the feelings and trauma she has not been able to feel and express since she was a child. You heard her voice. She is such a sweetheart. And I think that she's just been really, really hurt in her life and has a lot of big feelings. You heard her story about the mental challenges her mother had that led to her being left on her own a lot and the abuse she endured. Bottom line, Charmaine does not feel safe in her body. I mean, how could she? No wonder she's using coping and numbing devices since childhood. It began as food and then she started using pain pills and now it's pot. And I said, it's a good thing it hasn't gone beyond pot, but just so you know, if you feel like you're addicted to something worse than marijuana or more intense, just know you can get to the other side of it. And please, judging yourself for having any kind of addiction is not going to get you anywhere. It's not going to get you to stop. Being mean to yourself, trying to force yourself to stop is not going to do it. The part of you that's reaching out for that coping strategy, it needs love and compassion. It needs to be healed. That that coping strategy that you developed probably as a young child or teenager, however old you are, you did it because you had no better tools. Just know you can go and get better tools. It just requires facing your feelings and some of the demons that you buried a long time ago. Now, I want to talk a little more about why I wasn't feeling like cognitive behavioral therapy is right for Charmaine. First, cognitive behavioral therapy, or CBT, is a wonderful form of therapy and can be really effective for treating a variety of conditions. In a nutshell, CBT is a form of psychotherapy that focuses on modifying dysfunctional emotions, behaviors, and thoughts by interrupting them and uprooting negative or rational beliefs. My sense is it could be a great part of Charmaine's healing process, but I really feel she needs a little more focus on emotional processing and trauma release. CBT can be very goal-orientated and Charmaine having a more feminine mothering approach right now to her therapy, I feel could really be highly beneficial considering that so much of her wounding comes from not having a mother around. Now, there's a lot of beautiful CBT therapists that incorporate lots of other therapy and do bring that mothering approach. Charmaine needs to go super slow, not be focused on having a goal and have lots of space for her to be seen, heard, and totally safe. I trust she will be guided to just the right person to help her in her journey. One last thing I wanted to mention is a common theme that I see with people who have had trauma like abuse, neglect, or abandonment is they go into helping professions. I've met countless social workers and nurses and rescue workers and people who feel called to help others by joining the military. So I was not surprised when she told me that she felt called to join the military after 9-11. People who didn't and often still don't feel safe often go try to help others feel safe which is why it's so admirable and moving. And what I'd say to anyone who relates to this is help yourself first and foremost. It doesn't mean you can't go be a helper, but you've got to make sure you've saved yourself first. This has been a huge lesson for me. I love you all. I feel so deeply for other humans. I want to help. I love what I do. And 
my priority has always been on helping myself the most. My own growth and self-care has come before my career and mission of helping others because I've learned that trying to save myself through others does not work. So some takeaways for you. Be honest with yourself, honest and compassionate with yourself. If you are using any kind of coping strategies that are bordering on addiction or are full on addictions. If you're feeling like you really want a guide, a therapist, a coach, someone to work with, pray about it. Set that intention. We can manifest the right healers and helpers just like we manifest other things in our life. You have a divine appointment with the people in your life that are supposed to guide you. I can look back on all my teachers. I was actually at dinner tonight talking to one of my best friends about Mona, who I mentioned in this episode. And she, oh, I had such a divine appointment with her as with so many other beautiful healers that have come into my life. So trust that they are there. Also, come join me for my personal mastery course or my spring retreat. Again, the spring retreat is just for women, but mastery is open to everyone. You can find all the details on christinehaster.com. And finally, try that anchoring technique I gave to Charmaine of putting one hand on your heart, saying I'm loved, and one hand on your belly, saying I'm safe. That's one I offer a lot and I use a lot myself because it really works. All right, everybody, that is the show for this week. I'm sending you so much love and many blessings. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Over It Non With It. I love hearing from you. So please post your comments or questions at christinehasler.com slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive coaching from me in an upcoming episode. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe on iTunes. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be part of my community at christinehassler.com. Until next week, here's to getting over it and on with it. Much love and many blessings. 